Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, on demand via the Bloomberg Business app, free for iPhone and Android devices. Now, the next British Prime Minister faces a truly daunting task. Steering the UK as the economy is expected to go into a prolonged recession with a cost of living crisis, workers striking for higher pay and an inflation rate that Goldman Sachs says could hit 22%. Joining us now to discuss all of these issues is Sir Charlie Bean, Professor of Economics at the London School of Economics. Of course, well-known, widely published, former Bank of England Deputy Governor for Monetary Policy between 2008 and 2014, a member of the Budget Responsibility Committee at the OBR from 2017 to 2021. Many roles, uh, uh, Sir Charlie. Thank you so much for being with us in person. I'd like to just start, first of all, with your views about recession. The Bank of England sees the recession beginning at the end of this year, fueled by the war in Ukraine, by the energy price shock. Do you think that the UK is facing a recession? Uh, Good morning. Clearly, it's a pretty challenging environment. We've had this very large, predominantly external shock associated with uh, the war in Ukraine and its implications for both energy and uh, food prices. Um, And on top of that, uh, the UK labour market was already pretty tight at the start of uh, this year. Uh, So the economy would have had to cool a bit anyway uh, to take that on board, even without the external shock. Um, so I, uh, the best you could hope for is a period of very subdued or stagnant growth. Like five quarters growth. But, of contraction? Well, you can have something that's much deeper and shorter or uh, shallower and um, longer. Um, and we'll see what uh, comes out. And the key thing I would want to stress, you, uh, listeners obviously want predictions. Yes. And the sort of environment that we have here, uh, there is so much uncertainty about particularly what will happen in the Ukraine and to gas prices and so forth, uh, that that makes it especially precarious trying to make hard and fast predictions. But, so do you think it's going to be shallow and long or deeper and shorter? Um, if anything, I would think it would be deeper and actually perhaps longer than some people fear. In particular, uh, I think it may take more to squeeze uh, inflationary pressures, domestically generated inflationary pressures, uh, out of the UK. Uh, what we're seeing is... Um, people in uh, the labour market, uh, union bargainers, so forth, responding to the very high inflation by saying, you know, we want to be protected uh, and we want wage increases. And because the labour market's tight, they're more likely to be able to push for that. 
Um, and inevitably, to lean back on that, that means the bank will have to keep policy tighter for longer. And I, and I do think people have underestimated the extent of real wage resistance that we may see. This was something that was important in the 70s mm. uh, with people trying to protect their living standards. A lot of focus on inflation expectations, but it's this response to what is already happening, the squeeze, uh, which I think people have underestimated its uh, significance. So you think there is a higher risk of a deep recession? You think there's an underestimation of the risks around the stickiness of wages, the increase of wages, given that need for workers uh, to, to see higher pay packages to compensate for that very high inflation? Where does that leave your view then on rates, peak rates from the Bank of England? Well, again, exactly where rates yes. go depend on all these uh, highly uncertain uh, events, uh, particularly what happens in Ukraine, what's happened to gas prices, stuff like that. So I'm very loath to say, you know, 4% is the peak or whatever. But I do think it's plausible to think rates may have to go somewhat higher and for somewhat longer than perhaps people are, uh, are factoring in. Well, now we, we, 475 th- is where the markets are pricing the kind of peak, 4.75%. I mean, that may be a, a perfectly plausible outcome. Uh, but we shouldn't rule out higher outcomes, possibly. We may be lucky. We may get away with something lower. As far as the bank is concerned, um, th- this is a sort of time and they shouldn't be indulging in forward guidance. Uh, they, they really don't know where they're going to end up. And they have to respond to how things are developing uh, on the ground. Uh, and... Do, do you think that the Goldman Sachs forecast of 22% inflation is excessive? Do you think the, 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 the bank's forecasts are, are well below that? Where do you see inflation? Peter? Well, you should remember when the bank's forecast came out, people were surprised how strong that was. Uh, and of course, since they published their last forecast, gas prices uh, have moved higher. Um, the, situ- the prospective situation... Uh, for gas in the first part of next year also uh, looks worse. So it's not surprising that people have marked up uh, inflation projections again. But everything depends upon what happens to gas prices uh, from here on and how quickly alternative sources of, uh, of gas can be yeah. uh, brought on stream, all of those sorts of things. And, and what the policy response is from, from the next Prime Minister to alleviate Indeed. the pressure on households and of course that debate is live as to whether the proposals for, for the lead contender Liz Trust would be inflationary or not. What do you think would be the appropriate policy response as Ofgem looks again to raise that cap and households possibly facing £7,000 a year utility bills early part of next year? Well the first thing I'd say is you've talked about households and people have forgotten businesses True. which uh, they're now starting to wake up to the implication for for business costs and so forth. So it's households and businesses. And the way to think about what's going on here is that this is an extreme tail event shock, uh, which is imposing a significant increase in real costs for households and businesses. Uh, And there's a small group of firm, energy producers, uh, who are benefiting. So whereas I'm not normally a fan of uh, windfall taxes, if there was ever a, an occasion for saying it's appropriate uh, to tax much of the benefit that is going to those energy producers and use it 
towards providing appropriate support for household mm. businesses. That is it. Okay. However, um, that would only partially provide the support, and I do think it's appropriate, given the nature of the shock, uh, for the government to temporarily increase borrowing, just as we did during the pandemic, just as governments do during wartime. Do we have the fiscal space to do that? I think we have the fiscal space for temporary borrowing. What worries me uh, about Liz Truss's um, proposals uh, during the campaign, whether what she'll go through with, of course, is another matter. But she is talking about a permanent reduction in taxes relative to what was planned uh, by removing the uh, increase in national insurance, which, remember, was to pay for an increase in health and social care spending, I mean, the corporate tax increase. Um, they're intended to be permanent. And uh, the uh, public finances are highly unlikely to have room uh, to, uh, to allow for that permanent uh, increase in uh, uh, tax support that's being provided. That, that's very interesting on the fiscal headroom. In terms of the help then for, for households, can we put some numbers around it? For example, Blanche Flower, Lord Sicker and Sheffield Professor Murphy have argued in the FT today that it's quite likely that the further £200 billion will be necessary in the coming year if the meltdown of the economy is to be avoided. What sort of figure would you put on it? Well, I mean, two hundred billion is a lot. Um, it goes back to what I said before: a lot depends on what happens to gas prices. So, how long the support needs to be in place? But we are certainly talking orders of magnitude, which are similar to the support that was provided during the pandemic. So, the furlough scheme, for instance, cost seventy billion. Uh, there was also support for businesses and so forth. So, something. Uh, at least in the hundred, uh, makes sense billion. to me. Yeah, um, but as I say, I, you know, I think that is uh, uh, certainly part financeable through the markets, providing it's clearly temporary and, and understood to be temporary. And that I think is a, a key challenge for the government coming in that it has to credibly make its fiscal actions. And temporary. It, is that where you? Is that where there's concern around the market reaction? So if they if they make it clear that this response is temporary in nature, as you would advocate, versus longer term, that is less of a risk in terms of the markets turning on the UK economy. We had Sunak coming out today saying that Liz Truss's proposals risk uh, the markets, you know, essentially turning on the UK economy, looking at the UK economy as a basket case. I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but is <laughs> is that the is there a real concern at this point? Yes, I I, I think that's right. It, if you have uh, a policy response which is temporary in response to this shock, I think market participants understand why you're doing it um, and providing uh, your committing to responsible uh, fiscal policies after the shock has passed, uh, getting the debt to GDP ratio back down slowly, that uh, has an entirely sensible plan. Uh, I think the problem with um, uh, Liz Truss's plans at the moment, aside from the fact that what she's suggesting doesn't really direct support at those people who need it most, the poorer households and so forth, um, is, as I say, this, uh, this permanence, and it's not of obviously the, the scale either. Um, now, uh, if market participants start 
doubting the mm. commitment of the government to running fiscal, fiscally responsible uh, policies in the medium term. If you also couple it with suggestions, again, to review the mandate of the, the Bank of England and uh, not going to look at uh, an office of budget responsibility forecast and so well, on, it, yeah. it starts raising questions about the institutional framework within which uh, policy is being made. And that those seem to me exactly the sort of environments where investors might, might start saying, well, I'm not so sure the UK is such a good place uh, to put my uh, investments anymore, uh, as opposed to um, plenty of the other countries around the world where mm. they could do it. So I do think there is a, a risk there. A risk, okay. We're speaking to Sir Charlie Bean, Professor of Economics at the London School of, uh, of Economics. I, I, picking you up on that idea, um, what are the risks for consumers for guilts, as, as you say, the institutional framework for not allowing the OBR, an institution that you know incredibly well, to scrutinise an emergency budget from Liz Truss, which is the, you know, the, the next big fiscal event that everyone is looking to? Well, the first thing to be said, it would be pretty silly uh, to uh, postpone taking necessary action, uh, just simply the FNOBR forecast. And Rishi Sunak, when he was Chancellor, I think there was something like 18 fiscal events during the pandemic, and there's been a couple since then uh, in response to the energy price shock, uh, which haven't been, most of which haven't been accompanied by an OBR um, fiscal um, projection or anything uh, but importantly they've all been the, uh, these temporary actions um, and s- clearly it's desirable if there is major fiscal action of uh, relatively persistent nature that that is accompanied by uh, an appropriate um, but surely that has to be this September uh, if you've got a new prime well, minister well, coming in with this kind of Energy price shock. It, I, it has I, to be a figure. Uh, it, de- it depends what they announce, because of course they could just announce Im- immediate support for households and businesses, which, which is of this temporary variety, and say we're going to have a, um, a, a fuller budget in October or whenever it is. At which point we will look at other aspects of what we've suggested. Mm. Uh, but if she wants to go through, presuming. She, unless she wins the contest, uh, if she wants to go through with uh, the whole package now, uh, then uh, I certainly think it would be sensible to ask the OBR uh, to provide some sort of assessment because the timescale will be very compressed compared to the normal timescale. Normally, it's a 10-week process. Mm. But the OBR can shorten that significantly with some compromise in quality, obviously, uh, but at least to give you know, ballpark numbers, things like that. Uh, and indeed, they have said they would be ready to produce something uh, fairly swiftly for uh, a, new, uh, a new prime minister and a new government. Okay. Uh, and I think it would be wise uh, for the government to wait for that if they envisage making announcements of this sort of permanent or persistent mm. character. I, I want to kind of tie in a lot of your thoughts around uh, the BOE's response, the fiscal response, into what's happening with the pound, which is down about 14% year-to-date mm. against the US dollar at 116, and some FX strategists say 115, maybe even one, maybe even parity by the end of the year. How concerned should the BOE 
be, particularly as we see yields, gilt yields up, pound down uh, around the prospects of sterling and a, a potential sterling crisis? Uh, well, it's certainly something they need to uh, factor into their assessment of the inflation outlook. And there's quite a lot of um, uh, general sort of chit-chat along the lines of, well, this is an external shock that the bank can't do anything about. Um, raising interest rates is not going to affect energy prices and so forth. A lot of people forget that one of the most direct channels through which monetary policy affects inflation is through the exchange rate. Now, some of the weakness of sterling uh, obviously reflects actually the strength of the dollar, which has been strong against uh, uh, many currencies and tends to play a, uh, a role of a, a safe haven during during bad times. But some of it, I think, also reflects uh, growing doubts about the UK's prospects and uh, policies. And uh, I think for the for the MPC, they will certainly be very conscious of the importance of not letting sterling fall uh, sharply. And that uh, will weigh quite heavily, I think, in their, uh, uh, their coming decisions. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, I think that's a really important note to end on the value of sterling. Uh, so Charlie Bean, really appreciate your time. We're going to go on to Bloomberg Television this morning. So really appreciate you coming in in person. Professor of Economics at the London School of Economics, of course, well known, widely published, former Bank of England Deputy Governor for Monetary Policy. Um, just one of his uh, previous roles. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio at 1am Eastern in New York on 11.30 and on Sirius XM Satellite Radio Channel 119. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.